I'm Brooks Gray, and this is Accidental Theology, a podcast about theology and worship. Today, we're going to look at the outward expressions of worship. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you've had a great week. If it's been anything like mine, it's been a little hectic, a little crazy, overwhelming, and rainy. It's been pretty wet where I live. Um, and you know, it's funny, every year after Christmas, uh, we're, we're creeping into March here soon, but every year after Christmas, I start thinking, man, it's going to slow down a little bit. I'm excited. You know, I, working in the church, you know, I'm thinking, no, now Christmas is over. You know, we got Easter coming up, kind of planned for it. But life always has different plans. It uh, has been quite crazy around my workplace here recently. I hope that's not been the case for you, but if so, I'm sorry, but I'm glad you've tuned in and you're hanging out with me today. Today, we're tackling to dance or not to dance. Uh, I didn't really know what to call this episode, but we're going to be talking about the outward expressions of worship. Now, this can be a, uh, a trick, tricky topic, and uh, I kind of wanted to tackle this because I grew up in a CP church, which stands for Cumberland Presbyterian Church. There was a, I could probably count on one hand, probably two fingers, the amount of times I ever saw somebody raise their hands during a church service. So we were very, uh, I, don't, I don't know the, the right word <clears throat> to use. You know, the, the term gets thrown around a lot, the, uh, the frozen chosen. Uh, but I hate to say that because it kind of sounds demeaning. And I love the CP people. They're great people. Uh, love the people in the church I grew up with. But yeah, that's just kind of how I was brought up. Not a lot of outward expression in our hymn singing. But I had the privilege of traveling for years with a, a, a group of guys, my best friends, uh, a band. We traveled up and down the East Coast quite a bit, or the Eastern United States, I should say. And we played a lot of Assembly God, Church of God, uh, places more Pentecostal in nature, and they were the complete opposite of the church I grew up in. They were very, very expressive. And as, since I've been leading worship in church, um, I have had this this conversation come up quite a bit about forms of worship and and the way people display their worship during a worship service. Um, you know, whether it's comments about. Uh, certain people or certain denominations being way too showy during worship and and it's all about drawing attention to themselves or or whether it's from the other end of the spectrum saying man people just act like they're not engaged at all like they don't even want to be here so i've i have a lot of conversations on both sides of the spectrum and i'm going to tell you up front where i stand i stand probably somewhere right in the middle it doesn't bother me if people are very expressive in their worship um, and it also doesn't bother me if it looks like they don't care it does but at the same time it doesn't and i'll explain that a little bit later but the reality of it is many of us and i'm saying us because i'm throwing myself in there even though i try not to be many of us are guilty of being judgmental whether we even realize it or not. So today, as we talk about this, I hope to kind of just clear the air a little bit and just bring it out in the open uh, and maybe kind of change the way you think about outward expressions during worship, no matter which side of the fence you may fall on. First of all, when we look at biblical expressions 
of worship. And I'll I'll try to put these scriptures in the the show notes. So if you are listening to this wherever it happens to be, if you'll go look in the show notes, I'll list all these scriptures so you can go back and read them all. Because I'm not going to to do that um, to take up time on this podcast um, because I want to get through a lot of other stuff. There are many ways we see people worshiping in the Bible, and and just real quick, four of those ways that we see people worship are falling on their faces, and there's other people that that raise their hands, and there's other mentions of people bowing down, um, and people even dancing in worship. So there are many different examples of what Christians or, or what followers of God have done through the ages. I changed it to followers of God because I don't know if you classify those that came before Jesus as Christians, but they were still worshiping God. Uh, but there, there are a lot of different ways to do it. And so I want to start off by, by asking this question. Do you think it's a distraction when somebody is too expressive in worship? Because I have heard the comment made that, well, I don't really want to raise my hands or, or do anything or bow down or dance because I just don't want anything I do to, to be a distraction to the person behind me. And I just want to throw this out up front. People are not distracted by your outward expressions of worship. And I, I say that loosely because I know some people can be. But the point I want to make is they're not distracted by your outward expressions of worship a lot of times. A lot of times the case is people are distracted by your outward expressions of worship because your life choices and your actions don't line up with biblical commands for holy living. So if your life is displaying a love for God in all things, people a lot of times can look at you and say, you know what, they, they really love God. They're passionate about God. I know their life and I know how they live. But if you're out there living like the devil through the week, and I, I say this, I've said this a bunch through the first several episodes of this podcast, and then you come in and you're shouting and jumping and dancing and praising, and and somebody's looking at you thinking, uh, man, that ain't what they were doing when I saw them at Walmart the other day when they were cussing out the cashier. Yeah, that's going to be a distraction for some people. We have to to live holy lives. If, if we're not living lives that glorify God outside of just our time in worship services, no amount of bowing or crying or dancing or singing or shouting or whatever you're doing during a worship service is going to be pleasing to God. Now, if I can just take a couple of seconds and be completely upfront and honest with you. As I mentioned earlier, I've been blessed to travel uh, a lot of places leading worship and I've done so in numerous churches, and the more I get to know people and hearing stories throughout the past 15 years and talking to people and getting to know people, the more I'm convinced that the ones who proclaim the loudest that people aren't worshiping like they should are generally the ones who aren't living like they should. Let me say that again. I hope it came across clear. Usually the ones that are proclaiming the loudest that people aren't worshiping aren't worshiping like what they think they should worship like are generally the people that aren't living holy lives not always but i've found that to be the case in my own personal experience experiences a lot of times and if i can continue to be honest with you 
when I've been most critical in my own life about how others display their worship, I can look back and, and think, you know, it's been times in my life that I probably wasn't living as holy as God's child and as I should have been, and I wasn't in His Word as much as I should have been. And a judgmental spirit just kind of began to, to creep into my heart and consume my life. And that's been the case in my own life. So I just wanted to be honest for a second and get that out of the way. Like I said, that's not always the case, but it seems to be a lot of the times. So speaking of distractions in worship, how do you know when you've gone too far with your expressions of worship, if there is such a thing? And I actually had this conversation with uh, somebody one one time. I will not mention their name. Um, I don't know if they listen to this or if you know what the case may be, but I don't want to mention their name. But I, I had the conversation several years ago with somebody who was very expressive in their worship. And this was in a church setting that a lot of the people were not as expressive in their church worship. It wasn't like just a dry service, but, you know, it wasn't this shouting and and jumping around or whatever the case may be. It was more of a reserved setting, if if I can use that term. And I, I remember the conversation I had with him. He He came up to me after service one Sunday and he said, Brother, am I a distraction to you during worship? And so I told him, um, and the reason he was asking me this, I'll tell you up front, is because he had heard from some people that he was being way too over the top during worship and he needed to tone it down and he was just a distraction for everybody in the in the worship center. And so I, I told him, I said, you know what, man? I said, you're not a distraction to me. And and I was being completely honest with him. I said, you're not distracting me because when I'm on stage as a worship leader and I'm I'm worshiping, I'm I'm not. And this is probably a bad thing to say as a worship leader because our our goal is to to lead people into the presence of God. In a sense, I know that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Um, but there's this. Anytime you're on stage and there's an audience, there's always this communication, whether it's obvious communication or just body language or what it is. Everything we do is communicating, and so that's a that's a huge thing. But when I, so I hope this doesn't sound weird when I say that. But when I'm worshiping, even when I'm on stage, I'm not focused on who's out in front of me. I'm focused on why I'm singing the songs that I'm singing and and these words being true in my heart. If I'm singing about how just and how faithful God is and you know I I deserve to be separated from him but through his love he reconciled me. I'm focusing on on God. Like that's what my worship is. I'm I'm here, I'm there to lift up my praise and my worship to my creator and the one who saved me. So I told him, I said, no, you're not a distraction to me. And I went on, I said, but I was like, I can, I can understand how some people feel that way. And, and we kind of had this conversation about freedom and worship, which I think I'm going to tackle that about in, in several weeks, maybe. Um, what does that even mean? Freedom and worship. We had this conversation about you know personal freedom and worship and being able to just worship God and and how we see fit and all this stuff and and so my comment to him was 
I can understand how it can be a distraction to some people because you have to realize the setting we're in. Like this is a church that doesn't normally express their worship that way. And so, yes, I understand the personal freedom side of it, but you cannot let your personal freedom become a corporate distraction, if that makes sense. And so there are times, you know, depending on where the setting, um, and I'm going to cover this later, that you you may have to be careful about what you may normally do during worship. And that sounds bad, I know. And you can you can say, well, that doesn't matter. I'm not doing it for the people around me. Well, I understand that, but you can be a distraction to some people. And I'll get to that later. But the beautiful thing about the church is that it's made up of people, and, and people <laughs> – People are different, you know. I've been to churches where tambourines and running was was nothing out of the ordinary, you know. People running up and down the aisles and around the sanctuary. To me, it was a little different because I wasn't necessarily used to that, you know. Like I said, growing up in the church that I grew up in, where we didn't even raise our hands, and those churches where raising your hand is out of the ordinary, and you know you're going to get eyeballs turned towards towards you if you even raise your hand. Um, that's the that's the beautiful thing about it is like there are many churches that do different things and and I think we're we're drawn and as part of it is culture and how we're raised and all that stuff but we all fit in different places and um, but I would say this that if your acts of worship if they're doing more to draw attention to yourself than to point honor to to the king to God then that's when you've gone too far to answer that question I started a while back. How do you know when you've gone too far? If what you're doing is drawing attention to yourself more so than getting, giving honor to Jesus, you've probably gone a little too far with your expressions of worship. And that's probably a subjective line in the sand. But like I said, sometimes it depends on the setting um, when, when to know when you've gone too far. So which way is the best way to worship? If um, Is it better to not do anything and not be a distraction? That way you know you're not being a distraction to anybody. Or is it better to just uh, to worship in freedom? And, you know, if that means raising your hands, if that means uh, jumping or whatever, which way is the best or the right way? Well, let me start by saying that there aren't any biblical requirements as far as I know, to my knowledge, in the posture of our worship, externally speaking. Um, yes, we, we are to bow and humble our hearts before God when we come, but externally speaking, when we're talking about outward expressions, I don't know that there's any one place in the Bible that says this is what it looks like externally to worship God. So there's no best way to show worship through our outward expressions in worship. I have great friends who are they're very passionate in worship, and they display it in different ways, whether it's singing crazy loud at the top of their lungs or, or raising their hands or jumping. And that that's not a distraction to me at all because I know that they passionately love Jesus. They And in, honestly, they're helping point me towards God's glory because I know their testimony and I know their lives are drastically different than who they were before God radically changed them. 
But on the other hand, some of the godliest people I've known in my life, and, and even going back you know, to my home church, they've been on the opposite end of that spectrum. They've been the ones that have never even raised their hands in a worship service. But I can look on their face and, and see joy in their eyes when they come into a corporate setting with other believers with you know without any hardly without hardly any outward expressions and still I'm encouraged because I know their testimony as well and God has designed us all differently and you can just take a look at all the personality tests out there and look at how different people can be and and like I said earlier that's the beauty of the church people so drastically different can come together and offer to God worship and praise in in many different ways but we're all coming for the same reason, and, and that reason is we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus and grafted in to God's family as sons and daughters of the Most High King. If there's no best way, what should be our goal? What should be your goal? What should be my goal? Well, our goal should be in all things to honor Jesus. And so I want to leave you with this. My recommendation is that you prayerfully ask God to help you, number one, display your worship in a way that is honoring to Him without being a distraction to others. And like I said, that can be somewhat subjective. It may look different in different places. Um, in Revelation 4, we get just a glimpse of the greatest worship service uh, when those that love Him, creatures and elders, are gathered around God's throne and, and they're bringing honor to God by bowing, by singing. Uh, and basically shouting and, and laying crowns down while all the while they're essentially saying none of this is about us none of us are worthy of any of this only God is worthy and we give him our praise and I love what Charles Spurgeon said about his personal worship and I think it, it can be an encouragement to, to each one of us and he said this quote knowing angels should worship God, should prompt our worship also. Do we have any less to praise Him or thank Him for? Do we sing as much as the birds do? Yet what have birds to sing about compared with us? Do we sing as much as the angels do? Yet they were never redeemed by the blood of Christ. Birds of the air, shall you excel me? Angels, shall you exceed me? You have done so, but I intend to emulate you. And day by day and night by night, pour forth my soul in sacred song. Man, end quote. Uh, well, end quote before the man. But man, we have a reason to, to put our worship on display. We have been redeemed and we have been reconciled to God, not by what we've done, but through his love and his power and his grace, his, acts of, his act of kindness uh, in giving his one and only son that us believing in Him gives us eternal life, and He is worthy of our praise. And my second recommendation to go along with that is that you not be distracted by those around you during a worship service. And that can be harder than it sounds, but in some cases it's not. A lot of times we allow ourselves to be distracted. And let me just state this. It's not your job to be the worship police. You you aren't called by God to be the one to determine who around the throne is simply displaying their love for God or being a distraction. It's a heart issue. So God, help my heart to focus on your worth. Help my heart 
to not be concerned with what's going on around me. Guard my mind from being judgmental. Strengthen my faith to come before you because of what you've done for me, not because of who else is around me. So think about how you're worshiping and why you do it the way you do. Our aim should be to bring God honor while displaying the truth that none of this is about us. None of us are worthy of any of the praise. Only God is worthy. And so we come together and we give him our worship. And lastly, my last recommendation, as a someone who leads worship each week, smile a little bit. At least look like you want to be there some way. Because sometimes it can be discouraging if people, I never know if, you know, do they just not like this song or my voice or do they even want to be here? So, yeah, smile every once in a while. It's fun to be in the house of God. So, anyway, I hope you have another great week. Or if you didn't have a great week previous to this one, that the next week is phenomenal. Thanks again for tuning in. Next week... We're going to have our first guest on the show. It's going to be a very interesting show, so I invite you to come back next Thursday. God bless. Thanks for being here.